Well, good morning, everyone again. Excited to start a new sermon series today with the Ten Commandments today, how ancient laws lead to a flourishing life. Uh, I'm excited that this, the Ten Commandments are an ancient, well-worn path that lead to a flourishing life in Christ. They are foundational to Christian life, belief, and practice, and ethics. And uh, we're going to dive into a lot today. I encourage you to take notes. Uh, if you have a journal or one of our note, note sheets, I encourage you to take notes today because I don't want to repeat myself on every single week for the next 10 weeks. So we're going to dive into a lot of good information today. Um, uh, so a few words of explanation at the beginning. There are two places in Scripture where you find the Ten Commandments. Uh, one is in Exodus 20, the other is in Deuteronomy 5. They are essentially the same with some very small but meaningful differences between the two. Uh, we will reference Exodus 20 from time to time, but for the purpose of our sermon series, we will be in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Um, and I would encourage you to turn there this morning, whether that be in your physical Bible or on your phone, you can follow along. Uh, a few more words of explanation. In the Bible, they are also not explicitly called the Ten Commandments. In Hebrew, they are known as the Ten Words. Uh, sometimes you'll see the Greek term, the Decalogue, that just means the ten words. Uh, so in Scripture, they are not explicitly called the commandments, so that's what they are. They are also not explicitly numbered. Uh, the numbered system comes from church tradition. Uh, so Catholics and Lutherans actually have one way that they traditionally number the Ten Commandments, and the Orthodox Church and other Protestants have another way. Uh, the main difference being is that uh, for Catholics and Lutherans, no other gods and no idols is one command itself, and no coveting at the end is divided into two separate commandments. Uh, for Orthodox and Protestants, other Protestants, it's essentially the opposite of that. You have no gods and no idols are two separate commands, and no coveting is lumped into one at the very end. Does it make much of a difference? Not really, <laughs> but we have people from diverse backgrounds here, and I just wanted to explain why you might see some different numberings of these commands. Um, and in some sense, it's good to hear not to worship uh, other gods or idols twice. On the other hand, it's here to not, not covet twice. They're both, both are important. But for the sake of our, our series, we will be following the Orthodox and other Protestant tradition. And for some of you Lutherans out there, don't worry, we're going to be quoting Martin Luther extensively, so forgive me for not using your numbering system. Today will be an introduction to the Ten Commandments, and I thought it would be fun uh, to give you Pastor Nate's Ten Commandments about the Ten Commandments. Because the Lord was wise. The Lord knew that the Lord knows that, you know, ten's a good number, so we're going to have Pastor Nate's Ten Commandments. Now, this is just a funny title, but these are not really commands from the Lord per se. Um, these are more principles, things that are helpful to know um, as we go through this series together. So again, I hope that you'll take some notes so that you can reference this um, during other weeks in our series. So the first one is this, Pastor commandment. You shall learn and study the Ten Commandments. The passage that was ready, uh, read for us, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1. Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. Now, the Ten Commandments have, have traditionally held a central place in the teaching and instruction of the church, in Sunday schools and in homes, in catechisms. Um, how many grew up learning and memorizing the Ten Commandments? Can I get a show of hands? Okay, a, a good many of you. Um, how many of you use the tradition of a catechism in learning the Ten Commandments? 
Okay, a decent amount, a less percentage. And how many don't know what a catechism is? Raise your hand. No. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of an unusual word. But a catechism, essentially, it's a teaching tool of the church, typically in a question and answer format that helps us learn some basic theology. Um, and across most Christian denominations that have these, uh, they pretty much cover the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, um, which will be the three things that we're going to be talking about the rest of this school year. Um, and they are foundational to a life with God. We never outgrow the basics because the basics are the most important things. The more we advance in the basics, the more we grow. Um, football season is starting up. It started up this week. I'm super excited about that. My football team's all set. Uh, you know, but even, even professional athletes, you know, football players, they're still running drills. They're still practicing catching and throwing and, and tackling and those things. Even professionals, they still go over the basics. Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, he said, I am also a doctor and preacher, yet I act as a child who is being taught the catechism. I never move on. He said, I never, I never move on from the childish doctrine of the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. He said, this much is certain, those who know the Ten Commandments perfectly know the entire Scriptures. See, there is a fountain of knowledge and wisdom contained in these commandments. And far from being too basic for us, they contain things that can guide us our entire life long in Christ. Pastor Nate's second commandment. You shall remember the Ten Commandments are given to a redeemed and saved people. Now, when you talk about commandments especially, sometimes we have this false uh, assumption about the difference between the Old and the, and the New Testaments. We think in the old, the old Covenant that the people were saved by law and keeping the law, and no, in the New Testament were saved by grace. Uh, but this uh, understanding is false. No, in both covenants, in both Testaments, the people are saved by God's grace and are compelled to then obey God as their King and Redeemer. The Ten Commandments begin with a very important statement about God's salvation of the people. Verse 6, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now, remember the context when the Ten Commandments were originally given. God's people had been in bondage for 400 years in Egypt. They were, they were enslaved and oppressed and unjustly mistreated. And God sent the ten plagues and part of the Red Sea to deliver them out of the land of Egypt, out of their oppressors' hands. And this event is known as the Exodus. And it is the central act of salvation in the entire Old Testament story. And that's why the work of Jesus was, was considered a, a type of a new exodus, that through Jesus Christ we are delivered out of our bondage to sin, death, and judgment. So the people of God, they were already saved, already redeemed when they were given the Ten Commandments. Not to earn salvation, but to learn how to live and walk with God, the God who had saved them. And that's how it always is in both Testaments. God saves us and redeems us, and then He compels us to surrender and obey Him as King. So first is the grace, and then the second is the obedience and the response. So now that these people have been delivered out of bondage, how then shall they live? Pastor Nate's third commandment. Number three, you shall use the Ten Commandments to promote justice and protect freedom. The Ten Commandments are a social document meant to protect the justice and freedom that was just won through the Exodus, right? 
They just got delivered out of bondage, and the commandments are going to help them from devolving back into that type of society. Some scholars even compare the Ten Commandments as a type of a constitution and bill of rights uh, given to the people. And in some sense, that's, that's true. These, this is a type of treaty between God and the people, between a king and his subjects. So the Ten Commandments, they, they protect God's, God's right to exclusive worship for saving the people. They protect the rights of workers for humane rest and treatment. Uh, parents' uh, rights for respect is protected. One's neighbor's life, their marriage, their property, that's all protected. One's name is protected from false witness in the courts. The Ten Commandments were, meant, were given to promote justice in society and protect important freedoms for the people of God. It really boiled down to it. God is essentially saying to them, you are not going to treat people like the, Egypt, like the Egyptians treated you. And maybe you heard that in the Sabbath command. <laughs> You know, remember, you were in slavery, you were treated this way before, therefore you will not treat people the way that you were unjustly treated. And really, breaking any of the Ten Commandments leads to a type of slavery, does it not? You know, both personal and communal, whether it's slavery to, to idols or false gods or to our work or to money or to sex or to greed. These are all kinds of slaveries. Peter Lightheart says, a community dominated by disrespect for parents, workaholism, violence, envy, theft, and lies is not free. In fact, the psalmist says to the Lord, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. Far from restricting us, commandments keep us free and keep others free to live a joyful life pleasing to God. Pastor Nate's commandment number four. Honor the Ten Commandments as a special gift from God. Again, Luther says, we should prize and value them above all other teachings as the greatest treasure God has given us. These are gifts from the Creator God. Patrick Miller notes some uh, important things that set the Ten Commandments apart from other things that we find in Scripture. He says that they're the only set of commandments that are given specifically twice, um, both in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Um, they were given to the people directly by God, not just through Moses. In fact, Deuteronomy 5 verse 4 says, The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. They come directly from God. They were inscribed by the finger of God on stone to make clear their, their uh, source from God and their endurance. In fact, and also they are placed inside the Ark of the Covenant, you know, in the temple, Right? And while the other legislation and instruction is written on a scroll and placed next to it, there's a difference. And literally, the Ten Commandments are placed inside the Ark of the Covenant. Um, this was considered the very presence and glory of God, the foundation of His throne, the foundation of God's rule, His presence among His people. It is built upon and established through the Ten Commandments. And really, all the other laws in the Old Testament that you read about, they are essentially case law, applying the Ten Commandments to various situations that occurred uh, in the nation. And often, these are situations that, because they're 3,000 years old, they, we don't, we don't, they don't, many of them don't apply, or we wonder how they apply to us today. But the Ten Commandments, they are universal, moral, foundational to life with God. They are special, and they are a gift. Pastor Nate's commandment number five, you shall not turn the commandments into a legalistic contract, 
but remember it's about a covenant relationship. Back to Deuteronomy 5, verse 2 and 3. The Lord our God at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. God had made a covenant with His people. Now, it's interesting, this, genera- this is the next generation about to go into the promised land, right? They actually were not there at the mountain when they were originally given. But the Lord is establishing this covenant throughout the generations for His people. So God makes this covenant. It's not a contract. Contracts are about exchange. You give me this and I'll give you that. But covenants are different. They're, they're about a mutual agreement of faithfulness and commitment. God has already committed to be our God saving us. He then calls us to make a covenant commitment to Him, to obey Him and surrender to Him as King. And what's interesting about the Ten Commandments is that they are given to the entire people of God, but the yous or the thou shalls in the old King James, they are in the second person singular, meaning you as an individual. Yes, you are to keep these commandments. See, God wants a relationship with you personally. So this dichotomy we sometimes think about between rules and relationship, uh, it's false. Jen Wilkin writes, We are saved into special relationship with God and thereby into special relationship with others. And because this statement is true, Christianity is also unapologetically about rules. For rules show us how to live in those relationships. Now, I've I've officiated several different weddings and there's always the part about the vows and, you know, do, do you commit to taking this person as your spouse and will you be with them for, for richer, for, for poor, for sickness and in health? All these wonderful vows and commitments. And no, not one time has, has anyone ever stopped me and said, Pastor Nate, what are you doing? Why are you putting rules on this relationship? I mean, that would be absurd, right? No, it's the very vows and commitment is what makes the relationship special and set apart from everything else. It's the same with God. It's the same with God. We're not following some type of abstract or arbitrary rules. We're responding in relationship to the personal Creator, to our personal Redeemer and Savior and King. I mean, the same God who gave these commands on the mountain of Mount Sinai is the same God that we meet in Jesus Christ who said, if you love me, keep my commands central to our personal relationship with Jesus, as we like to say, is keeping His commands, just like it was in the Old Covenant. It's a part of the covenant relationship. So if you want that personal relationship with Jesus, keep His commands as central, not optional. Pastor Nate's commandment number six, you shall praise God that His commands are for our good and flourishing. Jumping down, chapter 5, Deuteronomy, verse 33. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land you are to possess. See, the Old Testament saints, they knew that these commands were about life. They did not view the law as a burden. They viewed it as a blessing. They viewed it as a blessing. And much of the wisdom literature, much of the psalms that were written to praise God, they, they have all types of songs even about praising God for His law. And let me just read to you a little bit from Psalm 19. 
Imagine saying this to the Lord in, in song. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. We are to always remember and praise God that these are for life. Did you see all that joy, wisdom, flourishing, sweeter, precious? They are good and for flourishing. Pastor Nate's commandment number seven. You shall not forget the main point of the Ten Commandments, nor scorn their specificity. All right, well, let, me, let me get what I mean by this. We need love to be specific. We know through the magnificent teachings of Jesus Christ that the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said all the law and the prophets hang on, depend upon uh, these two commands. And um, people have often imagined that, the, you know, the two stone tablets that Angela, you made, uh, people have kind of traditionally considered the first tablet as having the first four about a relationship with God and the other six being on the second tablet, uh, our relationship with others. And that's a, a good way to think about it, I think. It's loving God's most important, loving neighbor uh, is, is second and on the second tablet. And I think it's, it's helpful to have that summary in your mind about what the commandments are about, loving God, loving others. But we also need the specific commands because we all do not share the same definition of what it means to love God and love neighbor. We might ask, well, what is the loving thing to do in this situation? What is the loving thing to do? Now, people have different answers, and in fact, I think love is often co-opted by the world to mean something other than following God's commands, which is a really big problem if what we're trying to do. The scholar C.E.B. Cranfield said, just to make do with the general commandment to love would be altogether mistaken. For while we most certainly need the summary to save us from missing the wood for the trees and from understanding the particular commandments in a rigid, literalistic, unimaginative, pedantic, or loveless way, we are equally in need of the particular commandments into which the law breaks down the general obligation of love to save us from resting content with vague and often hypocritical sentiments which we are all prone to mistake for Christian love. Did you catch all that? <laughs> we need the summary so we don't miss the wood for the trees, but we also need the specifics to save us from vague hypocritical sentiments which we mistake for Christian love. So we need the summary of love God, love neighbor. We need the Ten Commandments as well. And, and really, you need to see how all of the commandments are connected. You know, we, uh, we show that we love God by not having other gods before Him, by not having idols, by honoring the Sabbath, by honoring our parents, by not stealing, and so on and so on. And so there's all the commandments have these types of connections. Pastor Nate's commandment number eight, you shall discern how the Ten Commandments display God's character and priorities. In the commandments, you're going to learn what is important to God and therefore what should be important to us. 
There is a God that we learn. This is a God who, who, who values worship, who values rest from work and just treatment of workers, who values families, who, uh, who honor one another, who values faithfulness and marriage and purity, who values true speech, who values contentment with what we have and protection of all life. These are the things that matter to the Creator God. And I think it's interesting, we may discern even a slight priority in these commandments. Uh, the scholar Christopher Wright says, now it would be going too far to assert a strict, a strict sequential order of values in the Ten Commandments, but the overall impression seems valid. God's priorities for human moral attention are God, society, family, life, sex, and property. It hardly needs to be pointed out that in Western society, at least, modern culture has almost precisely inverted this order of priorities. The world's priorities, they're all backwards compared to God. And so because the world has it all wrong and messed up, we need to live out these commands. That's commandment number nine. You shall display the commandments in your life for the sake of mission to the world. Living into these commands is how we show the world what our God is like. You know, there's some really unfortunate publicity from time to time about people who are trying to get the Ten Commandments displayed in this or that school or this or that public uh, facility, um, which to me is a, a misguided use, uh, maybe well-intentioned, but misguided use of the Ten Commandments because these are for the people of God that demand exclusive worship of Him. How do you demand non-believers to uh, do adhere to that? Um, it personally does not make sense to me. And if we were going to literally display the Ten Commandments somewhere, it probably ought to be in our churches or in our Sunday school rooms um, with our children. Uh, but interestingly, in the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments are actually not visible. They're not publicly displayed for the community. Where are they? Inside the Ark of the Covenant. And I think this is because God's intention is that as we learn to worship Him, as we worship this God, whose throne is built upon these commandments, that we would be formed into the type of people who live them out. There's no need to tell the world what these commands are because they will see it in our lives. In fact, the earlier chapter in Deuteronomy 4 says, Observe them carefully, for these, these commandments, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations, who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. In other words, the old covenant saints were to let their righteousness, their obedience to these commands, shine before all people that they might glorify their Father in heaven. It's like, that's what Jesus said, right? It's the same principle. It's the same God in the old and new covenant. And even today, living out these commands is for the sake of our mission to the world who has all these priorities backwards. We don't, we don't obey the Ten Commandments simply for our own good, although that would be good, Right? But we also obey these commandments for the sake of displaying God's righteous character and holiness to the world around us so that people might be drawn to worship the one true creator God who loves them and has given uh, his life through Jesus Christ for their redemption. And finally, number 10, you shall treat the Ten Commandments as commandments for today. It has been said many times that these are not the Ten Suggestions, but the Ten Commandments, and I think that's a good distinction. But why? Because God's already saved us. 
because God loves us, because He's redeemed us through Jesus Christ, and we owe Him our very lives and our very selves. And today in the New Covenant, these are just as much for us as they were 3,000 years ago, ancient words. Because Jesus has saved us, we follow in His commands. In fact, if you are with us in our, our, our series through the major prophets, remember what they started saying in Jeremiah? He said in the New Covenant, my law will be written upon your heart. It will be in your mind. And then Ezekiel said, I'm going to put my spirit in you to move you to follow my decrees and my commands. The vision of the new covenant under Jesus Christ is people who live and are moved in their interior being to obey God, His commands, and thereby display His righteous character to the world. The Ten Commandments are for today. All right, let me summarize what we've said. You shall learn and study the Ten Commandments. These are Pastor Nate's Ten Commandments. You shall learn and study them. Number two, you shall remember the Ten Commandments are given to a redeemed and saved people. You shall use them to promote justice and protect freedom. You shall honor them as a special gift from God. You shall not turn these commandments into some legalistic contract, but remember they're about a covenant with God. You shall praise God that His commands are for our good and our flourishing. You shall not forget the main point of the Ten Commandments, nor scorn their specificity. You shall discern how they display God's character and His priorities. You, do, you shall display them for the, uh, for the, uh, in your life for the sake of mission to the world. And you shall treat the Ten Commandments as commandments for today. We're now going to close in a prayer. And uh, if you got your bulletin this morning, you got this blue card uh, in, in your bulletin. Ten Commandments prayer. Uh, I was inspired by many different authors in putting this together, specifically by a pastor named Adam Hamilton, but I, I um, pretty substantially adapted it from other sources as well. Um, but my, I hope that you will put this somewhere you can see it, uh, maybe in your Bible, maybe on a mirror, maybe in your fridge. And I want to, want to invite you to consider praying this once a day throughout our series on the Ten Commandments, um, on, up until we get to Advent. Um, this will help us get the Ten Commandments and the spirit of them uh, into our hearts and our minds and in our lives. So I pray that you'll take this and, and use it, let God use it to inscribe His commands on our hearts. And so as we move into prayer this morning, I'm going to pray this for us as, uh, on behalf of all of us for, uh, as a community. Then we'll go into our time of prayer and close with the Lord's Prayer. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you are my God, who through Jesus Christ delivered me out of my bondage to sin, judgment, and death. Help me to love and fear you so that I learn and especially follow your commandments. Help me to have no other gods before you, to fear, love, and trust you above all things. Help me to see that all idols are worthless and to release my grip on anything that competes with my love for you. May I honor your name as holy in all that I say or do. Help me to delight in the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Help me know how to appropriately honor my parents. Free my heart of any hatred or bitterness towards others. Make me an instrument of peace in all my relationships. Help me to live a life of chastity and purity and to honor the marital vows of others. Rid my heart of all greed and enable me to be joyfully generous. 
Help me to always speak the truth in love, to speak well of others, and to avoid all falsehood, slander, and gossip. Grant me the gift of contentment with the blessings you have already given me. In summary, O Lord, help me to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. Remind me always that your commands are for my good. Incline my heart to love and fear you, so that I will always be careful to obey your commands. As you inscribe the commands on stone tablets, I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would inscribe these commands on my heart.